I never get tired of believing that cross. Uh, just every race, culture, language, and place. I, I get so excited when I think about that, uh, just to think of the triumph of the cross, the blood of Jesus destroying all the works of Satan and raising up victory in his name. Every race, every culture, every language, every place on this planet. It, that's just mine. It gives me so much joy. When I, when I pray for unreached peoples, one of the joys I have is, is I'm just so sure of victory. Amen? And so many of these people, uh, you know, two nations that should come to our heart over and over just because of the great need is to see God just completely uh, conquer with love India and China. And reading in peoples, you know, the numbers just get so big, you can't, sometimes you can hardly take it in. I mean, 2.9 million, 2.9 million. There has never been any indication anywhere in all of history they can't ascertain that a single one of these people has ever professed Christ. And you just go, that's just too many, right? There's a picture of one, they're Darzi, D-A-R-Z-I. And there's a picture of a Darzi man uh, in India. What's interesting about them is so many people groups in India are located in particular locations, but not these. These people are all over the, the, the country, all over India, and still haven't been reached. You know, can't one be reached? You know, amen? And they're 2.9 million. They are exceptional. Guess what they like to do? They are exceptional with a needle. They're tailors. They love to make clothes and sew. And that's what they've done for so long. The Darzi originally lived in Central Asia and then migrated all from Central Asia to India long ago. The word Darzi actually means tailor. Not surprisingly, the primary occupation is sewing. They love to produce clothes and fabrics. However, in recent years, for the first time ever, they have had the opportunity to be educated. And as they have been educated, many have taken jobs in medicine, government, engineers, and even college professors. They are reachable because the main language for the Darzis is Hindi, which is such a well-known language with so many resources. They also speak the regional languages where they live. They live all over the nation. Most work in cities and towns practicing their trades of sewing and making clothes and then selling their clothes in shops and village markets. Would you worship the tools of your trade? They do. The Hindu Darcy people do. Before beginning a day's work, a Darcy tailor will worship and bow down to his tools. Uh, he will worship his scissors, his sewing machine, uh, and even his or her needles. They will pray to them for a bountiful livelihood. And uh, they regard higher education now as important, unfortunately, only for boys. They benefit from Indian government developmental programs related to electricity, clean drinking water, and subsidized banking for them. The public distribution, distribution system is providing them with food and other essential items. Families arrange their marriages between adult children, but only within their clan. They are allowed to marry first cousins except for a few Muslims living in Uttar Pradesh. All Darzis are Hindu. In addition to their tools, they worship several of the Hindu gods and observe the main Hindu holidays. Most do speak the major language of their state and Hindi. There are many, many Christian resources available in all of their languages, but has never been a single known follower of Christ among the Darzi people ever. But we are going to pray against that. Amen? So, Lord, so if somebody would be led to pray for the 2.9 million D-A-R-Z-I, Darzi people in India. Hmm. 
Yes. To understand through that time. We are all our bondage. Yes. Yes, amen. Yes. Internet. Please, Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Father, those are watching and they are those tools that they are using. We pray, Lord, they are praying to an unknown God. Mm. As Paul said, Father, we pray that they may know the true God. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. If we cannot be there, but we can pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. We pray you die for them. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. That's why you have not come yet, because you want us to them to know you and Amen. accept you. In Jesus' Father, name. Thank you for hearing this prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So we'll ask the young ones to come, even though Jonathan's not here, but a few other young ones. So, and all of us who are young in heart will have ears to hear too. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that uh, Jesus did so often was ask questions. Have you ever even noticed that? Many times people would come to Jesus and, and uh, ask him questions about things, and then he would respond with a completely different subject. <laughs> he was often a question asker. So I'm going to ask Allison an unbelievably important question and John Mark, but also for every one of us in this room. So just a hugely important question, and you don't need to answer, you just need to think, amen? So, are you ready? 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 Well, let's hear some scripture. So let's hear some scripture. Are you ready? What does that mean? So let's start with three scripture verses, all right? So we'll start with three scripture verses, the first coming from the first chapter of the book of Acts. Listen to the word of God. When they had all come together, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus answered them, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after Jesus had said these things, this last teaching, he was lifted up while they were looking at him. And a cloud received him up out of their sight. And they were looking up, gazing intently into the sky while Jesus was departing. Behold, two men, angels in white clothing, stood beside them. And the angels said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven is going to come in exactly the same way that you have watched him go into heaven. Matthew 24. So we'll have three passages. Matthew 24. See if I can find the verse I was looking for. 23. If anyone says to you, Behold, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe him. 
For false Christ and false prophets are going to arise. They're even going to show great miracle signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the chosen. Behold, I'm telling you all about this in advance. If therefore they say to you, Behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go. If they say, Behold, he's in the, in the inner room, don't believe what they say. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes across the whole sky to the west, that is how the coming of the Son of Man will be. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun's going to be darkened, the moon won't give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory." And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his chosen from the four winds, from one end of the sky all the way to the other. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, Jesus is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, even so, amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, was, and is to come. I am the Almighty. So are you ready? The question's a little more clear, amen? Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus? So I do want to tell a story again. I've told it before, but it bears repetition. Um, Angela and I used to love it when we lived down in Newbury, South Carolina, for my mom to come visit. And you can imagine when my mom, my, I used to tease Angela and call my mama a white glove mama. You know, my mama was a white glove mama. She could get out the white gloves and if there's one drop of dust somewhere, you know, find it or one thing out of place, find it. So we would say, for example, grandma's coming to visit on February 17th. I meant a solid two weeks. Angela and I were in get ready mode. And we would just work our tails off, sometimes hardly get any sleep, doing everything we could to get that place ready for the visit of my mama. Well, uh, what if my mom didn't tell us when she's coming? What if, what if she said, sometime in May, June, or July, I'm going to come visit? Well, the fact that we did not know the day would mean what? We had to be ready every day, right? We'd have to every day. It wouldn't be a job of getting ready. You get the difference? So we wouldn't get ready for mom. We would be ready. Do you see the difference? Instead of getting ready, we would be ready. We would live in readiness. And I can even see it now. I had this kind of vision today. February, you know, 22nd, uh, 1045 p.m., doorbell rings, ding dong. And we go answer the door, and there's Mom. Come on in, Mom. Your bed's ready. Fresh sheets already on it. Mom, there's a cup of hot tea by your bed. We're, we're ready for you, Mom. How could you be ready? We're living in readiness. We're living in readiness. It's not are we ready, but it's be ready. And it's not be ready, it's to live in readiness. It's to live ready. So when she shows up Tuesday, 1145, ding dong, we're ready. Yes, Allison? When do you think Jesus will come? 
Well, we're actually going to talk about some of that. Allison actually asked me this past week. She didn't even know that I was going to be preaching and teaching on this, but she's been asking me questions about Jesus. And so uh, your question, Jesus, that you asked Allison, excellent question. Do you know the, almost the exact question she asked me to the Word was asked to Jesus by his disciples? And this is the question they asked. This is how they asked it. They said, Jesus... What will be the sign, or signs plural, of your coming and the end of the age? Isn't that a good question? You know, when are you coming, Jesus? Is it going to be soon? You know, Allison asked me, Dad, do you think Jesus really is coming very soon? She asked me that question. And she asked me questions about how do you know if you're ready? <coughs> you're ready or not? Good questions. So what I want us to do is to talk about these things today, amen, and the weeks to come. So let me pray for us, and we'll see what Jesus has to say to us. Father, we do thank you for your word. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, you want us to live in readiness. Hallelujah. You've provided resources for us so that we can be ready and live in readiness. So as we seek your face and as you speak to our hearts, uh, we want the fruit to be that we learn how to live in readiness. We don't need to be ready for my mom showing up <laughs> in the summer, but we certainly need to be ready every day as if it might be the day of the face-to-face -face day. Your word says that every one of us one day will see you face-to-face. -face. Every one of us. One day. It'll be a face-to-face -face day. It even used those words in one of the songs that Joel sang. So, Lord, we want to be ready for the face-to-face -face day. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Can't get more important than some of those questions, can you? <laughs> I tell you. And to be able to answer them rightly, because I can tell you one thing. God wants you to be ready. And he doesn't want you to doubt that you're ready. Okay? And that certainly doesn't mean that you're perfect, does it? <laughs> or we'd never be ready. So the key question and the key exhortation, the key question, are you ready? The key exhortation, be ye ready. Really, living in what? Readiness. Living in readiness. That's what we needed to be when we talk about my mom coming with that story again. You know, it's not important to get ready for mom, is it? You know, and if we don't know when she's coming, we have to be ready how many days? Every day, we have to be living ready, right? Because you don't know when she's going to show up. So the only way you can be ready is if you're actually living in readiness. So that if she comes at 11.45 at night or 3 a.m. in the morning or she comes in the summer or if she comes in the winter, whenever she shows up, ding dong, we're ready. Isn't that an awesome thing to be able to open the door? Hi, Mom, we're ready. We were expecting you. Wouldn't that be awesome with Jesus when your face-to-face -face day comes? Hi, Jesus, <laughs> ready for you, expecting you. I've been looking for your face. Amen? Amen. And so we certainly need that. So I want you to listen just again to Revelation 1, 5 through 8, those nine glorious truths about Jesus. Aren't you glad he's the faithful witness? Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have first place in everything. The ruler of every king and kingdom of this earth, hallelujah. 
He what? Loves us. He's released us from our sins by His blood. He's made us a kingdom of priests and given us access into the holiest of holies. To Him alone belongs all the glory and the dominion and authority forever. That's the first seven. Number nine, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the Lord God who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. But how about number eight? Number eight, verse seven. Behold, He is what, Pastor Joseph? He's coming, isn't he? Maranatha, he's coming very soon. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, even so, amen. Maranatha, Jesus is coming very soon. Now, that text is a direct quote so you wouldn't want to miss it. You would not understand what I just read you from Revelation if you didn't realize he was quoting directly from Zechariah, the next to last book of the Old Testament. From Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and you want to read that in context or you won't know what he was talking about in Revelation chapter 1. So if you go to the Old Testament, you can go all to the very end, Malachi, and then turn one book back, you find Zechariah, and you hit chapter 12, verse 10. But don't stop there. You need to read all the way to the first verse of 13 or you miss it. So chapter 12, verse 10 says exactly what we just read. But look how it's introduced. I'm going to pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and prayer. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to pour out on my people a supernatural fire of the Holy Spirit, a spirit of grace. They will be prayer warriors, the spirit of prayer. And they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn. They will mourn for me like a person mourns who's lost their only son. They will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And it goes on to describe this weeping in such unbelievable detail. I'm not going to read all that. You even get to verse 14. It says, all the families that remain, every family by itself, and the wives by themselves weeping. It's going into this detail of all, all these people and clans and different people weeping. And then chapter 13, verse 7, verse 1 says, In that day, a fountain's going to be open. A fountain for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A fountain to clean all their sin and impurity. Now, why is that so important? It's important because, first of all, you know what that weeping is that we read about in Revelation? It's weeping of tears of repentance. These are people that have been given life. <laughs> Isn't that good news? That's why he says he knows it's going to hit every... Why do you think he says he knew that weeping was going to happen in every race, every culture, in every language, in every place? Because that cross is going to triumph in every race, every language, every culture, every place like the Durza, bringing people to brokenness and repentance, and then the fountains are going to open to clean them and set them free from their sin. That's why he says at the end of that passage, even so, amen, hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus didn't coming until his victories covered the planet. Every race, every culture, every language, every place. The Durza. He didn't come in before the Durza are reached. Amen? The Durzas have to be reached. Now, there are two kinds of tears. Amen? 
Aren't there two different kinds of tears? There are two kinds of weeping. Amen? There is the weeping of genuine repentance when you're brought out of sin into victory in life and Jesus cleans you and heals you and frees you and saves you. Those are good tears, aren't they? Tears of repentance. And that doesn't stop, does it? That doesn't stop when you first become born again, does it? You know, even recently in my life, I won't go into the story, no need to, but it's amazing how blind we can be. And all of a sudden, God shows me my sin. Have you ever had that happen to you? Well, you're, I hope you have, where you've just been doing something and absolutely blind to it, and then God shows you. I mean, I was brought to repentance. I, I felt like I was going to vomit throw up. I was so broken over my sin. And I thought, how could I have not seen that? I was just brought to repentance and brokenness. Literally felt sick at my stomach over my sin. I thank God for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting me of sin. Hallelujah. Amen. So repentance tears uh, doesn't just happen when you come to faith. You know, it's going to be through your whole journey. But the other kind of tears, oh, wow. Wow. You know, who are we to judge when a helicopter accident happens? Nobody. Amen? But one thing I can tell you for sure, when a helicopter accident like that happens, you're face-to-face with Jesus. I can tell every one of you in this room, I can't count, but I know exactly how many are here. You're going to have a face-to-face day. You are. And I can tell every one of you in this room right now, you may see Jesus face-to-face today. You might. Today. What is today? Jeremy 26, 2020. Jeremy 26, 2020 may be your face-to-face day. Isn't that staggering? Think about that. That today could be your face-to-face day. Jesus may descend today, and all of us would see face-to-face, or we might pass into eternity today, right? And see Him face-to-face. Two kinds of weeping. Now, the now word... Um, it's amazing to me when God does this. Um, this week, God just burned my heart with the Word of God. That's why I believe it's so important to hear the now word. Um, in my times alone with God, He gripped my soul so strongly, I don't even have words to describe it. I thought I was going to about pass out. Uh, and with two passages, two specifically, one was Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14, 11 verses. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14. 11 verses. And the second was Matthew 24, verses 32, all the way to the end of chapter 25. So two passages. One, Matthew 24, 4 to 14, that's 11 verses. The other starts at verse 32, Matthew 24, and goes to the end of 25. Why am I telling you this? Because I tell you what, God put this on my heart so strongly. That now words for every one of you in this room. And I'm telling you right now, one application, God wants you taking your Bible in those passages I just meant, and in the next days and weeks and months, He wants you meditating, and meditating, and meditating on those words. Do you hear me? It was not just for me. Matthew 24, 4 through 14, those 11 verses. Matthew 24, 32, all the way to the end of 25. Get alone with God. Get your Bible. Begin to take those words, pray over them, read over them, meditate on them, and feed on them. Amen? That now word was not just for me. It was for you. And so what I'm going to do today is kind of give you just an overview today, okay? 
So what I want to do is give you an overview today. Matthew 24, 4 through 14, don't read it yet. First, I'm going to actually give you an overview. And Allison, this is part of the question that you asked, which was so important. How can I know when Jesus is coming? In Matthew 24, 4 through 14, there are 11, catch it, there are 11. There are 11 very important signs which are specifically given to relate to the second coming of Christ. Eleven. And I'm actually state them for you, one through eleven. So what were these eleven signs? And then we are going to read the passage. Sign number one, false teachers. So multitudes of false teachers and false teachings. Jesus once again wanted to warn his people, be ready, I'm telling you ahead of time, that there are going to be false teachers and false teachings everywhere. Right? Number one. Number two, wars. Remember the passage, there'll be wars, rumors of wars, kingdom will rise against kingdom, wars. Number three, there will be all kinds of famines, all kinds of famines. Number four, there would be earthquakes, earthquakes everywhere. And then number five, these are just the beginning of what? Birth pains. So why does he use that phrase birth pains? It's very, very important in context. I have never given birth to some of you women who had. One thing you know about labor and birth pains is that the frequency and the intensity increases dramatically, right? As birth approaches, the birth pains increase in frequency and what else? Intensity. And as you're undergoing anguish, the other thing you know about birth pains is that the unbearable anguish is going to produce life, right? Isn't that good news? So as the anguish is coming and the frequency is increasing and the intensity is increasing, you know out of it all is going to come blessing, blessing, blessing. Amen? So that's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus is saying these things I'm talking about. And Allison asked me a very good question. She said, haven't those been going on ever since the first coming of Jesus? Great question. That is such a good biblical question. Because these are to occur between the first and second coming. You're right. So you get the picture now. These are going to occur from the first coming to the second coming. But as the second coming gets near, what's going to happen? Frequency and intensity increases. Do you see that? Frequency and intensity increases. So when he talks about false teaching and false teachers being everywhere and wars being everywhere and famines being everywhere and earthquakes and obviously other natural disasters, the frequency of these events and the intensity of these events will increase as the birth of the coming of the Son of Man approaches. Amen? So it will be approaching. So those are the first five. Number six. Number six, persecution. Not just persecution, but what? Worldwide persecution. You will be hated by all nations on account of my name. Jesus warned that persecution would increase dramatically and cover how many nations? All. Did you know now? I just read the 2020 report on persecution in the world. I read this last week. 2020 report on persecution by Christians of the world. Do you know that there's greater persecution right now than in any time in history? Did you know that? Right now, did you know that? It's at the highest level. Do you know how many Christians, they rate persecution from intense and severe, high, medium, low, and I forget what the last one was. 
Right now, the last two, which they call intense persecution and high persecution, one out of every eight Christians in the world is enduring that now. That's so hard for Mark to understand and for me because I don't, I don't live like that. One out of every eight Christians right now is living in a place where their persecution is high or intense. One out of eight. You know how many people they estimated live in that way? Somewhere, they don't know exact, the estimation was, can you believe, between 300 and 350 million Christians. Oh, wow. Wow. I can't take that in because I don't suffer like that for my faith. Jesus, between 300 and 350 million Christians suffer high or intense persecution every day. Oh, I don't see that on the evening news. You see why these things in Matthew 24 are so important? Yes, there will be false teachers and false teaching everywhere and wars everywhere and famines and earthquakes and the birth pains which will increase dramatically in frequency and intensity and this persecution of believers will be in every nation. Jesus said it. Worldwide persecution. Wow, number six. Number seven, which goes right with worldwide persecution. Number seven, worldwide apostasy. Worldwide apostasy. Many will fall away. How many? Many. Worldwide apostasy. People all over the planet turning their back on Jesus Christ and saying, I will not follow him anymore. I don't believe that anymore. You had friends like that? I surely have. People that seem to be so committed. Boom, it's gone. <laughs> there ain't no fire for Jesus in their heart anymore. Apostasy. Don't be surprised. Why does Jesus tell us these things? To, to warn you, okay? To warn you, Madeline and Booty and Brian. And when you start seeing people all over that you knew and loved turning their back on Jesus, you don't do it. Amen? Don't be surprised when they do. Right? Worldwide apostasy. Number seven. Number eight, which really links to worldwide apostasy. You begin to see how these all go together. Number eight, worldwide false teachers and teaching. Shouldn't surprise us, should it? Just all over the world. Just so many religions and philosophies. Even in the church, there's just going to be so much garbage. <laughs> you know, when you talk about even today how the health, wealth gospel is just permeated. And so many people in Africa are just so grieved how that garbage is taken hold. And it's a lie from Satan's pit. So much false teaching. So much false teaching. Worldwide false teaching. False teachers. Number nine, the lawlessness love contrast. The lawlessness love contrast. Lawlessness will greatly increase and the love of most will grow cold. And you see people, that I'm so thankful that Jesus told me all these things. So I won't be surprised. So when we see wickedness, vile, increasing like crazy everywhere, and people say, how can there be a real God with this going on? Jesus told you ahead of time. Thank you, Jesus. So you won't be surprised with intense, vile, demonic, horrific, evil wickedness increases like an exponential function. Don't be surprised. Amen? 
when we see it all over the world, it's that picture in Revelation when it even talks about the horde of demons being released. I think it's Revelation. I can't remember the passage, but being released. Lawlessness will increase. Demonic, intense, indescribable, heinous wickedness and evil will erupt like volcanoes everywhere. Don't be shocked. Amen? And when that lawlessness increases, the love of most will grow cold. I mean, is that not a staggering verse? Jesus said it. That came out of Jesus' mouth. The love of most will grow cold. I'm so thankful for passages like this because it prepares me. Because I'm able to talk to God in my prayer closet in the tent when I get alone. And I'm able to tell Him, my love won't grow cold. You learn to pray like that? Not me. Won't touch me. Pray like that. Talk to God. Not me. No, 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 no. My love's going to get greater. I've been praying so much for love lately. You pray for love. I was just telling God, I want to love you with all my heart. I want to love people. I want to live in love. I want more love. Give me more love. Give me more love. Give me more love. Fill me like a fountain of love, please. Amen. Lawlessness will increase and love will grow cold. I love number 10 and 11. Number 10 and 11. Number 10, believers will victoriously triumph. Isn't that great news? You know, don't you love sign number 10? Believers, true believers will victoriously and dynamically triumph. Those who endure to the end will be what? Say, real believers are going to be victorious. They're going to be holier and more love. They're going to live in more beauty. And they will run the race to the end. And they will triumph with their hands in the sky victoriously. Isn't that great news? Number 10. And I love number 11. It doesn't seem possible, but number 11 is better than number 10. <laughs> number 11 is the gospel will triumph victoriously. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in every race, every culture, every language, and every place. It will destroy the works of, devil, of the devil. And I'm believing millions of durses will be on fire with love for Jesus. Hallelujah. The gospel is going to triumph. And here's another point. Here's another point. Well, there's the 11, and we will read the passage. But those 11, it's just like the birth pains. And Allison says, well, how do you know, Dad, the, the nearness of the coming? Because of the increase of them all. Did you know you would be blown away if you keep up with missions that multiple thousands of places where five and six years ago there was not one single believer. Today, there are thousands of churches and on fire, spirit-filled believers. They said there have been more victorious triumphs of the gospel reaching unreached people and raising up dynamic, reproducing congregations than at any time in history the gospel is triumphing. Not going to read that on the evening news either. Not going to read that on the evening news either. And let me tell you, like some people say, well, there's no way, Pastor Brian, that Jesus can come tomorrow because the doors haven't been reached. So let me tell you something. You better be careful thinking like that. Because what I want to tell you is that the same God that parted the Red Sea can instantaneously and overnight reach every single unreached people group and raise up innumerable believers overnight. 
like the Red Sea parting. I do believe in the nearness of his coming. Allison asked me, Dad, how soon is it going to be? Is it going to be in my lifetime or a hundred years or a thousand years? I feel the nearness of his coming. I feel the nearness. Look at those 11, and I talk about them and pray over them. I feel the nearness of his coming. So uh, I will read uh, and then add one more thing in application because it's too important for us not to, to do that. Amen. So I'm going to just read those 11 verses. Matthew 24, starting with verse 4. 24, 4. Jesus answered and said to him, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. Those things must take place. That's not yet the end. The nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. All these things are just the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. At that time, many will fall away. They'll deliver up one another and even hate one another. Many false prophets are rising, misleading many. Because lawlessness increases, most people's laws will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he, she will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached and the whole world for a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. So I do want to just share a couple practical applications. You know, uh, Allison really uh, asked you know, those good questions about me in terms of, do you think he's coming soon? Now, I don't know everything. Amen? That word is truth. I can tell you what I feel in my heart. But that's not gospel truth, is it? That's just what I really feel in my bones. So I do want to just tell you several things that God's been put on my heart. That's why I think it's important, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says. That's why you need, you need to be able to listen, okay? I believe that we are in a season of preparation in the United States of America. Uh, Noah prepared. He knew there was a flood coming. And because he knew there was a flood coming, what did he do? Nothing. Mm -mm. he prepared wisely for what was getting ready to come. I'm not telling you to be afraid or be foolish or to go out and get whatever. I do believe this. Listen. Just let the Holy Spirit talk to you. I believed all my heart. And so some of the things I'm going to say, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just trying to tell you what I believe in my heart. I believed before Trump ever got elected that he was going to be elected. I believed it. My heart told people, people thought I was crazy. I said, he's going to win. The reason I felt that was his slogan, he was going to make America great. And I believe that God appointed that man for such a time as this to bring America to his knees, to her knees. The exact opposite. The exact opposite. He said he was going to make America great, but God has appointed him to bring America down. Now, I believe also that he's going to be reelected. I believe that all along. And the reason I believe he's going to be reelected is I believe that God has extended the season of preparation because he's so gracious. Scripture says, I'm gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness, relenting concerning calamity. Isn't that great? Relenting. Remember, Jonah's sitting there waiting for the fire to come. And God says, no, Jonah, I love these people. Hold it back. Hold it back. Hold it back. You know how long it was held back? Do you know? 
hundred years reading Nahum. It did come. What Jonah wanted to happen to Nineveh happened. Read the book of Nahum. That's what it's all about. It came crashing down a hundred years later. God's so what? Compassionate. God relents so we can what? Repent. So I believe, I do believe that, but I believe this last great revival, which I think is going to come, I think it's going to not only be a great awakening, a greater awakening, I believe it's going to be the greatest awakening, but I believe that it's going to come through desolation and desperation, through desolation and desperation. I believe that God's going to bring America and the world to her knees through tragedies that are indescribable that would make 9-11 look like a drop in the, in the bucket. And I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that desolation and that desperation, finally the church is going to wake up. Nobody loves the bride more than who? Jesus. And let me tell you what, I'll tell you this with all my heart, Jesus is the best husband in the world. He's not coming, Mark, for a dirty bride. No, 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 no. He loves his bride too much. Jesus isn't coming for a dirty bride. He's going to clean her up. <laughs> He's going to clean her up because he loves her so much. Like, I can't always get Sleeping Beauty and Snow White mix, mixed up, but, <laughs> but either way you look at it, the church is sound asleep. The church is drugged. I don't care whether it was red out or whatever they ate. Drug, 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 and they're just a sound asleep. But I'll tell you what, the prince is going to kiss her, and she's going to wake up. Isn't that good? I've got good expectations. I'm not doom and gloom. The church is going to wake up and she's going to be beautiful. She's going to be the prettiest bride ever. But I do think things are coming and that we need to prepare. Ask God to teach you what or how. And I believe that one of the key things is I really believe that America's destruction is going to be the catalyst for worldwide evangelization. I believe when the world watches America go down the tubes that that's going to release the last day's outpouring of spirit-filled evangelists, spirit-filled John the Baptist to cover the globe with the gospel. These are going to just be poor people. They ain't going to be rich and well-trained. They're going to be like the disciples that we read about in the gospel, right? They're going to just be the lowest of the low that Jesus raises up, trends, anoints, and sends out. And then he's going to cover the world with this gospel. Yes. And um, one thing that one pastor said was, uh, don't pray for as much persecution. Yes. Yeah. So will you wear the persecution shield? And he said, that's for you as well. Yes. He said, those that will have started. Right. That's right. In that matter, another application of the same thing is there was a place in Scripture where they were praying that God would not bring judgment, and God told them that they were praying wrong. Do you remember that? He told them they were praying wrong. He said, if you get Daniel, and I can't remember the three, Noah, and I can't remember the third one, uh, he listed three prophets, and he says, if those three fast and pray and cry, I'm still bringing judgment. So he told them they were praying wrong. How were they supposed to pray? They were supposed to be praying to prepare for the coming judgment. You see the difference? So instead of crying out, oh God, don't bring judgment, don't bring judgment, the Holy Spirit teaches them to pray differently, to say, Lord, we know the judgment's coming, help us prepare. Season of what? Preparation. 
So let me tell you the last thing, and I hope we won't go over. We'll still be okay because it's too important. Um, whenever God repeats something in Scripture, there's a reason. So when you get to Matthew 24, 32 and go through chapter 25 to the end, there's seven stories, seven stories and pictures, seven stories and pictures. I'm going to list them for you. And what's amazing is every one of the seven stories has the same application. And what they do is they start with the general application. And this is the general application. I'll tell you ahead of time. The general application is what I started with. Are you ready? The question. And then the exhortation, be ye ready. Learn how to live in readiness as if you live every single day as if it might be the last day when you have your face-to-face -face day. Learn how to live every day as if it might be your last day in readiness for the face-to-face -face day. And he gives that general application in all seven. Are you ready? Be you ready. And then what he does, which is even more beautiful, is instead of just giving general and specific applications, he gives very practical applications in each story that are completely different. That's why you need to meditate on these. So I'll tell you what the seven are ahead of time, and then as you read them, you're going to be able to meditate on them. Number one is the parable of the vine. You know, the vine that's getting ready to, blow, to, to uh, bloom. So the parable of that. Number two, the days of Noah. Number two, the days of Noah. Number three, the thief in the night. Number three, the thief in the night. Number four, the sensible, faithful servant. Number five, the ten virgins. Number six, the talents. And number seven, the sheep and the goats. Now, if Jesus gives you seven in a row, don't you think how serious that is? I don't know anywhere in Scripture. I don't know of any place in Scripture where the same theme is repeated over and over and over. I'll tell Pastor Joseph one thing. I love Pastor Joseph. I'll tell you one thing that the Seventh-day Adventists have on the rest of us that we ought to listen to and learn from them is from their inception, it has always been Maranatha. Jesus is coming very soon. They have always taught their people Learn how to live every day as if it might be your last day so that you are ready for the face-to-face -face day. Maranatha, Jesus is coming very soon. Let it burn in your heart. They've done such a great job of teaching that. They're the only group I know that it teaches that just again and again and again. We don't teach very often on the second coming. We don't teach very often on the second coming. So those seven stories are meant to do first to prepare you with those two questions, are you ready, be you ready? But then if you read the seven stories, what you'll notice is the specific applications and teachings are different in every one. So if you want to know how to live in readiness, wow, I'll tell you what, Matthew 24, 4 through 14, 11 verses, Matthew 24, verse 32, the, to the end of chapter 25, seven stories and pictures. Read these passages. Meditate on these passages. Get in your tent alone with God and cry out to Him and ask Him to teach you so that you can be prepared to live in readiness. Amen? Amen. We've got to learn to live in readiness. Amen? It's not about my mama coming to visit. <laughs> I'm talking about a visitation from on high. Don't you want that more? 
I've just been talking about that more to myself. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to live every day ready for the face-to-face. -face I want to get, wouldn't it be exciting if you actually got up that way? You get up before your feet hit the floor. You, you know, your feet don't even touch your floor. And you feel kind of an excitement in your bones. Kind of like a, a kid getting excited for Christmas. And, and you go, today might be the day. Why, why don't we live like that? You know, where you, oh, wow, today I might. Face-to-face -face Jesus. Talk about FaceTime. How's that with some FaceTime? Yeah. Yes. 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 Right. Yeah. So when I went there, they gave me, and actually I told them, my uh, Pastor Paul is a man of God. We mm. pray together, you know. Yes, and yes. And I told them, uh, yeah. if one of you will make it to heaven, if one of you, if you don't, if you don't see Pastor Paul in heaven, that means you never made it there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If uh, Paul is make it there, you will see him there. Yeah. And I told them, you know, Jesus coming very soon. Yes. Don't be excited if you have received the building. Yes. Because Jesus may come very soon. Amen. So I told them we are about to close the river and then sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Yes. We are about to close home. Yes. Actually, when we see all things happening, we are almost home. Yes. So we readiness, we have to be ready. That's yes. Not just getting ready, but right. we have to be ready. Right. And in order to just closing with that last comment, I just want you to know the difference between the, there's all the difference. I even wrote this in my journal last week. I actually wrote my journal. There's all the difference in the world between getting ready and being ready. You can't get ready for the second coming. If you do that, you're going to be one of those five virgins that wasn't ready. Yeah, it's about being ready, not getting ready. So let's pray. Father, we do ask for the application of the Holy Spirit and your gentle teaching so that these dynamic truths can take hold of our mind and heart and come alive and have fruit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen.